summoners, and welcome to Phaeology, the study of Fire Emblem heroes. This is Grepstein, and I'll be your Phaeologist today. So today I'm going to go through the Brave Redux analysis for the newest heroes that have been released in Fire Emblem Heroes. And just want to right off the bat apologize to everybody. We've been uh, really busy and I apologize that it's taken us a while to get this analysis out there for you guys. So uh, I hope you guys enjoy it. I hope that... Um, you know, you've probably already made your decisions about what to do on this banner and summoned on it if you uh, if you wanted to or you're holding off if that's what you normally do. Uh, but anyway, we did want to give our thoughts out there on these new heroes. And I have to say that I was pretty surprised that this banner in particular was what it was. But I guess uh, Phil probably wasn't. Uh, and he's busy today, so he's not able to join me for this episode, and we will miss him on this episode, but he'll be back soon, and we'll have more of the analysis that you guys love from him, so... Um, but he was going over the calendar predictions without me because I was busy. Uh, I think that was his prediction was that we were going to be getting one of these banners, just like we got highly rated heroes last year in the beginning of November. I know um, he was talking about heroes that were highly rated in Choose Your Legends 2. And guess what? That is exactly what we got with three units and, and four, including a Versa as the grand hero battle. Uh, but I guess all four of them together being four of the highest raid units in the game from Choose Your Legends 2. Uh, although they did exclude a couple of specific units I noticed from the Choose Your Legends 2 voting. And those are, of course, our beast units. So uh, we'll see when those come out. I, I think we're getting close to the point where Intelligence Systems needs to do something to shake up the game. And I think it's only a matter of time before we start getting beast units and intelligent systems find some way to integrate them into Fire Emblem Heroes. So I think that's coming pretty soon. But anyway, so we've gotten three new heroes on the most recent banner, and they are all some of the highest rated units in Choose Your Legends 2, as I mentioned, that we didn't already have in the game in some form. And so it's interesting that with the timing of this, that the first unit that we'll go over is Loki. Uh, with all of the other villains that we've received in the game recently, with Veronica in the Choose Your Legends 2 as one of the Choose Your Legends 2 units that we got recently. And of course, the uh, Moose Bell Generals that we also got with those three units. It's interesting to be getting another villain from Book 2 in Loki. And I was a bit surprised to see that we got her released because it seemed like with uh, some of these... Fire Emblem Heroes exclusive units. Uh, it seemed like maybe we weren't going to get them quite like that. But with Book 2 ending, it seems like all the villains are jumping ship, uh, or at least versions of them, because it seems like in all of the Forging Bonds talk that they make a point to point out that the versions of these heroes that we're getting are not the same ones that we're fighting. So whatever that means, I think what it really means is that they're too lazy to try to integrate the... the um, like confessions and the, the conversations that we get in, in forging bonds and make it consistent with what happens in the story chapters and paralogue chapters where these units are involved. But um, anyway, so we're getting Loki, who is a healer that, of course, we knew from book two already what she was and, and close to what her stats are, though uh, in story and paralogue chapters, a lot of the time units do vary quite a bit from what their stats actually end up being. So uh, Loki is an infantry healer, which is consistent with what she was in book two, and her base stats are 42 HP, 33 attack, 
35 speed, 16 defense, and 25 resistance. So at first glance there, you know, attack and speed stand out as being pretty decent, but not necessarily the best that we have for any of the healers in the game. Uh, in total, she has 151 BST, and that beats out uh, Mia, Halloween Mia, as the highest BST for a healer in the game, but it puts her in the same BST bin as Halloween Mia. And she does come with a super resistance. Uh, overall, you know, just like any other healer in the game, pretty much, uh, optimal IVs tend to be plus speed or plus attack to boost those offensive stats. Uh, if you're trying to build a razzle-dazzle healer, that's certainly the IVs that you would want to have in terms of boons. In terms of banes, I would say either defense or resistance work just fine. Defense probably preferred being the lower stat, but uh, either of those two will be just fine if you're building a razzle-dazzle healer. And HP, you're generally going to going to want to preserve or potentially boost uh, if you want to take advantage of Loki's PRF weapon, which is Thok. And we've seen this game already in the game, uh, too. And I have to say, when, when she wielded it and she was going against us, it seemed like a really interesting weapon, uh, having gravity ploy built into her weapon that's at least three hit points more than any foe that is ranged, whether they have a bow, a dagger, uh, a tome, or a staff, then she inflicts the gravity effect on that foe. And that prevents them from moving more than one space through its next action. So I thought that was a pretty, it was a pretty annoying effect to face when Loki had it, when I was using a ranged unit, either in the Tempest Trials where she was the boss, that was really annoying because there was just one path down the middle to get to her. Uh, and in some of the storybook chapters too, where she's featured, a lot of the time there are these narrow pathways to get to her on the the new paralogue maps where you face Loki, it's the same kind of thing where there's like one main path to get to all of the enemies. And of course, Loki is standing right in between it. So basically, if you're using a ranged unit to go and attack her and the other units on that map, then a lot of the time you're going to be facing that uh, gravity effect. So I think the way that intelligent systems has set Loki up to when you're facing her has, be, has been to maximize Thok's effect. And I think when, you know, I've had experience to use Loki myself, and I found her her staff to be kind of underwhelming of the gravity ploy effect that it has, because you're usually not on a map where there's just one pathway and the enemy has to get to you through that pathway. Um, and, the you know, intelligent systems has really optimized this effect on her when you're facing her, I would say. So the fact that this effect is limited to ranged units is definitely a disadvantage um, you know, they also had the, uh, they, they actually made a mistake with this effect in English, apparently not in Japanese. And I don't know about in other languages, but at first it looked like this effect was if she had three less HP or high, it turned out that the phone needs to have three lower HP than her. And so they had to change this effect. And I can imagine that some people were probably pretty upset about this because it's a description in the new hero announcement video as well that it was incorrect and it made her less effective than she initially appeared so you can imagine that some people might be upset about that but even so she ends up having more hp than most ranged units in the game so unless you're facing ranged units where the stats are really inflated which which happens in a lot of pve modes like in tempest trials and uh, in the arena you might be facing highly merged units 
So I actually had a few game modes where you're going to be facing ranged units with inflated stats as, as opposed to just uh, unmerged heroes with their base stats. But So that's going to make this effect less effective, but um, unmerged units or low merges of units that are ranged, then it's not unlikely that she might be able to get this effect off some of the time at least. So that's one thing. But the other thing is this effect compared to like a gravity staff is that she doesn't need to use a turn to initiate this effect. So that makes this effect a little bit stronger, but she does have to rely on positioning and that makes it a little bit less effective. So uh, that's a little bit of my thoughts about this thought um, staff compared to using like a gravity staff and, and some of the benefits of one versus the other. Now, of course, have, if you have a gravity plus staff and you have it refined to have a razzle dazzle effect, you can do that. Uh, and that's going to work on foes that are within one space of that unit as well. So that is going to be much more effective than just impacting some units when their HP is conditional and only in cardinal directions. So Overall, I think that Gravity Plus as a staff is block, although Thok has 14 might compared to 10 might with a Gravity Plus staff. So some things to think about there. We also have to consider Loki's A-slot skill uh, because she comes with colorless dual infantry. So usually we kind of ignore the 5 HP that comes with uh, one of these dual skills because that seems kind of meaningless for most units. But in Loki's case, the 5 HP is actually really useful with, if she's using Thok as her weapon, uh, since this is going to make it more likely that she's going to be able to initiate gravity ploy on any ranged units in cardinal directions. So I wanted to point that out as well uh, while going over her weapon here. So although I think the gravity ploy aspect is kind of cool on a unit uh, being built into her weapon, uh, I think ultimately, uh, you know, when it comes down to it, I think it's a little bit underwhelming compared to what I thought it was going to be getting my hands on it for the first time. So, uh, you know, just be aware that a lot of units come with really high amounts of HP and it's going to make it so Thok is going to be less effective than maybe it is when it's in the enemy's hands with when the enemy has inflated stats. So that is something to consider there. Uh, but so the other part of Thok that I didn't mention yet is that it also comes with basically Wrathful Staff built into it, and it calculates damage uh, just like you would from other weapons. So that's really nice, and I think that's something that we should expect to see on any PRF staff. It's either It should either have Wrathful Staff uh, or Dazzling Staff, otherwise you wouldn't be able to turn a unit with a PRF Staff into a Razzle Dazzle Healer, and that would be a really big setback. So it, it's good that her staff comes with that. Uh, now let's take a look at her other skills that she comes with. So she's the second unit in the game to come with Restore Plus. Uh, if you're like me, all of the healing specials kind of sound the same, but this is the same healing special that was previously available only on Nana, and it's a five-star lock skill, though Nana's available at four stars, so it's not, uh, you know, all the plus healing skills are five-star exclusive, but you can get your hands on it on a four-star unit if you happen to pull uh, Nana. And so this is a skill that heals uh, HP up to half of uh, the unit that has this skill of, of their attack, a minimum of 8 HP, and it disables any penalties or status effects as well. So you can use it on a unit with full HP and disable um, you know, different like panic status or uh, you know, things like that. You can disable that 
to reset them. So that's I, personally, I, I don't really care too much about Restore. Plus, the staff itself looks kind of cool in uh, the chibi art. But other than that, I don't think it's all that valuable of a staff because most of the time I'm using uh, healer. If I'm using them in a supportive role, then I'm using them to restore more HP as opposed to trying to disable um, status effects or or any penalties that are on the unit. So that doesn't really matter too much to me. So she also comes with a brand new, uh, so that was her assist skill and her special that she comes with is Earth Water Balm. So not the, again, I said this last time when Brave Veronica came with a brand new special in, uh, what is it, Windfire Balm. Uh, they're not very creative with the naming of these and they just take the elements that correspond to the stats that get boosted. But this is our second uh, Balm Plus skill that we have in the game for healers. And so what this is going to do is it gives plus 6 to defense and resistance to all allies on your team for one turn uh, when healing. So keep in mind this only activates when healing, uh, whereas um, you know other it's not going to impact anything when she's attacking units, even though her cooldown will go down when she's attacking units. So that or, or when she's getting attacked so that's just worth pointing out there uh, and so this is you know defense and resistance we have fire wind balm which gives attack and speed so it is interesting having these skills in the game they're pretty strong i don't know if it's necessarily worth foddering them off to another healer unless there's somebody some other healer that you really like uh, one kind of cool use of earth water balm could be on a unit like halloween mia when we went over her analysis uh, a little while ago on her episode, I had mentioned that she comes with Hone Flyers, and that's too bad that uh, if you gave her Fire Wind Balm, that that wouldn't stack up with the same boost of a Hone Flyers effect. But Earth Water Balm would stack up very nicely, giving potentially plus six to all four stats if she was adjacent to other healers at the beginning of a turn, or other flyers at the beginning of a turn and then were to heal one of them, then she would give them plus six to the defense and resistance as well. So uh, just something to think about, but ultimately, um, you know, it, it's a cool healing skill. It helps arena scoring, definitely. But uh, I, I don't know, if you like these skills, then they can work well And other healing skills like Miracle or, um, you know, there, there's other live to serve that that can be really helpful too for healing other units other than the one that you're directly healing. So there's there's a lot of different possibilities for specials that you could give healers, depending on how you want to use them, if you care about it all. So anyway, so I'd already mentioned her A-slot skill, Colorless Dual Infantry, which is, of course, a brand new dual skill. And as I mentioned, it gives 5 HP, which is the boring part of the skill, but actually comes in handy quite a bit to Loki, even if other units don't really care as much about that 5 HP. Uh, Loki really benefits from it by being able to activate her gravity ploy. And just like the other skills that we already have in the game, it treats Loki or any other colorless infantry unit as if they had 170 BST for arena scoring purposes. Uh, so, you know, this works out uh, pretty well on a lot of units that might want this for the arena. So, uh, you know, this is for colorless infantry units. It's going to work well on dagger units, it's going to work well on healers, especially if they have a PRF dagger or uh, staff, and if you have them pretty highly merged, then this might be a really good skill for them to get, uh, because they're really going to be able to help out your bonus units in the arena. A lot of people are calling this cheerleading, 
Uh, so some of the best quote-unquote cheerleaders in the game that can support your bonus units would be healers. It would be really nice to have your bonus unit enter combat. Uh, you know, maybe they survive with just a little bit of HP, and then you can use a healer to get them all the way back up and keep going into more combat uh, and get all the bonus kills that you can during an arena run. Uh, alternatively, you can give this to a dagger unit, maybe like Jafar or maybe Soth. Uh, or maybe even Felicia, and you know, although I think some of these units, especially the healers don't really care about what their A slot skill is too much, so they won't miss having uh, a more offensive A slot skill in a lot of cases in the arena especially. Uh, dagger users and archers might though, especially archers I feel like sometimes rely upon their A slot skills, but uh, dagger users might be okay, especially if they're just supporting the team, then they might be okay uh, giving up their A slot skill for a dual skill, and then you know maybe using wind sweep or you know for especially maybe for Jafar who already kind of has the the mage uh, mages can't counterattack with his refinement on Deathly Dagger. So if he had wind sweep, then he could pretty much debuff almost any unit in the game as long as he has higher speed than them, and without any fear of getting counterattacked. And then you could have your bonus unit go in and pick up a kill pretty easily. So just a thought there. Uh, other than that though, we don't have any other infantry healers with PRF weapons. So Loki's the only one right now. So, you know, maybe you have a, a particular healer that you like to use a lot or one that's really heavily merged and that's still gonna score a lot higher. If you have more merges, that's gonna help you a lot more than, um, than a healer with a PRF weapon versus not a PRF weapon. That's a bigger difference having more merges. So something to consider there. And as far as archers, you know, Innis is one of the few archers with a PRF bow that's an infantry archer. Um, Bride Cordelia just always comes to mind for me. I know she doesn't have a PRF weapon, but she's so strong offensively, even though she really does uh, probably benefit a lot from an A slot skill. But I, I really like Bride Cordelia's offensive stats still. And still, uh, over a year after her release, she's still one of the best infantry archers in the game, if not the best. So, you know, I think this is a pretty big deal getting this colorless dual skill in the game. Um, another, like one other thought before I move on from this is Bride Lynn, or any healer actually with a Candlelight Plus, because that, that's another way of kind of using, you know, as I was talking about Wind Sweep or, or uh, Deathly Dagger, Refined Deathly Dagger, Candlelight prevents uh, enemies from counterattacking. Um, so it's possible that Bride Lynn or another unit with Candlelight could use this on, on foes and put this this uh, status to prevent them from counterattacking on, and then you could have a bonus unit come in, and if they can secure a kill, they don't have to worry at all about getting counterattacked. So that's uh, another use of of uh, colorless dual infantry that I can think of. So those are some thoughts right there. And looking at Loki's C-slot skill, she comes with Odd Attack Wave, so she is the third unit that comes with Odd Attack Wave in the game. Uh, really strong skill, I usually wouldn't necessarily give this to a healer, because I, I think there's other units that probably benefit more, but that being said, the fact that it comes on a healer makes her a lot stronger on odd turns, and uh, it's cool to be getting this skill on a strong unit like Loki. So. It's definitely going to boost up her attack, and, and you know, if she's able to double, it's going to help her out quite a bit. So, interesting that now we have three units in the game with uh, odd attack wave. So, Ishtar and Lewin are also units with odd attack wave, and 
Uh, I, I really wouldn't be surprised at all if we had an odd attack wave uh, skill banner coming at some point down the road. So, And they're all different color units too, so it would work pretty well as a banner, and I think all three of those units are pretty strong and good fodder too. So thinking a little bit about builds for uh, Loki, so her base kit is pretty strong. So, you know, usually you might, you know, I, I mentioned this, but usually you wouldn't necessarily want a dual skill equipped outside of the arena, but I don't think it's such a bad skill to keep on her, even if you're using her in other modes because of the gravity play effect. So there might be times in other game modes where having that gravity play effect on Thok is going to come in handy. But if you switch out her, her staff for another staff, like Pain Plus or Gravity Plus or something else, then the plus five HP means a lot less outside of the arena. So, but it's pretty decent as far as an A slot goes um, in the arena and if you're using Thok outside of the arena. So uh, her B slot skill, it's really obvious. She wants to have Dazzling Staff as her B slot skill uh, to go along with a Wrathful Staff that's built into her weapon. So uh, it can be kind of tough to get uh, a Maribel or a Bride Lynn. You know, it's not even on a banner right now and might not be back for a while. But uh, if you do happen to have either of those two units, I think foddering either of them off to Loki can be uh, really valuable for making Loki stronger to prevent units from counterattacking her. Uh, Odd Attack Wave is a really nice C-slot skill. I don't think that you have to replace that at all. But um, if you want to go with something else, then I think the standard healer builds apply here. So something like the double savage blow build that a lot of people like to go with, um, you know, and whatever else you like to run in a healer can work just fine. But I, other than giving her double savage blow, I, I probably wouldn't experiment with anything else because odd attack wave is such a strong C slot skill. And I would say, you know, in terms of her weapon itself, I think Thok is good. And it can be kind of fun to play around with something with a new effect like that. But overall, I would say Gravity Plus is probably a better weapon. Um, you know, if, if you're into limiting enemy movement, I think it's probably a better weapon to go with. Uh, just because it's more consistent, you're not going to have to worry about if Loki has higher HP than foes. And it can apply to all different types of units and not just ranged units. But it does require a turn to attack. So... Um, anyway, so those are my thoughts on Loki, and I'm not going to go through uh, all the matchups like we normally do in this episode. I apologize for that if that's something that you really look forward to it in these episodes, but um, for this one, I just want to go through some builds and some recommendations, and I'll give my rating as well. So for Loki, so I'm, I'm really excited that we have Loki in the game. Uh, I like that we're getting a lot of the villains and some Fire Emblem Heroes exclusive units, and I think that's pretty cool. I like that uh, Intelligent Systems is listening to the units that people want to see the most, uh, and will release units that aren't necessarily just at the top of CYL voting. So I think that's something to keep in mind for future years, is that just because your unit isn't in the top, I guess, two for males and two for females, that... You know, as long as they score really highly, if you know, keep voting for them. As long as other people like them too, uh, or or even if you just really like them, keep voting for them because Intelligent Systems does pay attention to the ranks further down and not just the top ones. But in terms of Loki as a unit and her rating, I'm going to give her a four out of five. I think uh, she really does. She's at a disadvantage compared to Cavalry Healers. She's at a disadvantage compared to Halloween. 
uh, Mia being ability, which definitely hurts her quite a bit. And she lacks being able to gain access to those buffs, the emblem buffs that those units can get as well. So both of those things do hold her back quite a bit. And I think it would be pretty tough that there would be a lot that would be needed, even beyond what Loki has, that would make her among the top tier of infantry healers. So, and I just don't think she has quite enough to be in that top tier of infantry healers. And, you know, I, I, as I've mentioned a couple times, her weapon is just a lot more annoying when the AI is using her, when they're getting all those inflated stats and choke points on maps, and they set things up to be effective for her. I think her stats are solid, but, you know, she's probably the best infantry healer in the game right now, but I don't think there's like a ton of competition for that role anyway. Uh, her stats are good, but not great. I think they could be better. Her speed could be better. Defensive stats just don't matter that much. Uh, her HP could be a little bit higher, potentially, you know, to make Thok a little bit better. And, you know, that's basically my thoughts on her. And I'd say basically that the real reason that you might want to pull for her is for colorless dual infantry, aside from just being able to play with a unit that maybe you like from Fire Emblem Heroes. So... Colorless Dual Infantry, I think, can change up things a lot in the arena. It might be worthwhile to pull for this skill if you have any units that you have pretty highly merged up, or if you want to highly merge up a healer or a dagger unit uh, to help out your bonus unit. And that's probably one of the biggest things that you could do to boost your score in the arena if you, you know, if you don't run high merged units or if you're having difficulty uh, getting kills in the arena. I think that's one of the best things you could probably do to boost up your score is to give one unit on your team colorless dual infantry that you can merge up really highly. So uh, those are my thoughts on that. Looking at where Gamepedia has placed her in their tier list. So they have placed Loki in their A plus tier along with units like Chlorine, Ethlyn, uh, Nana, and Priscilla. So she's with a lot of the other cavalry healers in the game that don't have really good stats. Uh, like, she's lower down than Elise and Mary Bell, and she's definitely lower down than Brave Veronica and Halloween Mia. Those are the units that score higher than her on the tier list for Gamepedia. And uh, so that does place her at Infantry Healer. So they pretty much agree with what I was just saying there, or, I, or the other way around. I pretty much agree with what they ended up rating them. Uh, and then looking at Game Press's ratings of Loki, so they placed Loki in tier three, pretty much with this actually with the same exact group of healers. Uh, and again, so both sites agree that Loki is the best infantry healer in the game right now, but definitely far from the best healer in the game. So um, overall, not a bad unit to pull for, but maybe not the most important to pull for either. So those uh, that will wrap things up there with Loki and let's move on to our second unit on the banner who is Cliff. And so Cliff has a couple of firsts. So he is the first trainee mage in the game. We've had a bunch of trainee units. We know there's a lot of trainee dragons that end up getting 180 BST, but Cliff is the first trainee mage in the game. And I think the first trainee ranged unit as well. So um, that's interesting to see that since we haven't seen anybody get that status in the game yet. And as such, being a trainee, he has the highest BST in the game for any infantry mage. So I uh, just thought that was a bit interesting and something we haven't seen before. So looking at Cliff's stats, he is uh, at level 40 at neutral IVs. He has 37 HP, 30 attack, 37 speed, 25 defense, and 28 resistance. And uh, he is a blue infantry mage. 
with a total of 157 BST. So that is about the same as what most melee units came with at the start of the game. Uh, Gen 1 melee units, he's in the same bin as most of them. And in the same bin as a lot of most, ca uh, most cavalry units as well. Uh, or I, I feel like some cavalry units are a bin below him even. So um, just give you a picture of where he is BST wise. So taking a look at his stats, you know, his attack is fairly low, his speed is pretty high, and his uh, defenses are fairly high for a mage, and, you know, defense, resistance, and HP are all pretty high, so uh, a bit of a different uh, stat spread than we get from most mages, and he comes with a super boon in resistance and super bane in speed and defense, so... Thinking about optimal IVs, uh, we'll have to talk about his weapon, and I'm sure you're familiar with it by now. But, uh, you know, his weapon, Sagittae, gives him defense plus three, the passive defensive stat boost. And it also gives him a boost to all of his stats, attack speed, defense, and resistance plus five. If in com at the start of combat, if he has five or lower attack than the foe that he's facing. So because of this, then in general, you know, his weapon makes it seem like he wants to have lower attack than his foes in order to get this plus five stat boost to all of his stats. So this is one of the only units in the game where it might be beneficial to take an attack bane, um, or at least keep it neutral, where getting a plus attack copy might be seen as a negative thing. Uh, and probably you want to boost up his speed because his speed is pretty good, and there's no disadvantages for his weapon or anything like that to have more speed than his enemy. So I'd say optimal IVs are probably plus speed minus resistance, but I think I think he's pretty flexible with his IVs. Minus speed probably ends up hurting him the most, but I'd say, you know, even if that's the case, you might be able to give him quick repost and use him more as an enemy phase unit, although I think he probably thrives the most as an enemy phase unit anyway. Uh, but even if he's minus speed, he can reach 39 speed when his tome activates, and that's before considering his B-slot skill of chill speed, which, you know, kind of boosts up his speed even higher than maybe 39 speed even seems. So anyway, so let's talk about his weapon a little bit, this Sagittae effect of boosting up all of his stats by five if his attack is five or more lower than the foe's attack. So... I, I'm pretty underwhelmed by this effect. I, I don't really like it much at all. I think it's kind of a fine line that he walks of how strong he wants to be. Because, first off, like needing to be weak in order to get a buff, to me, seems like you, you know, you're going to end up like just average in terms of his attack. Even with that buff, he's just getting back to like an average state of his attack. And so the attack boost itself doesn't end up doing a ton for him, I think, as a result. So, you know, if you pull that minus attack IV, I think he kind of gets some insurance for that, what is usually considered a bad IV, a minus attack IV. He gets like insurance for a minus attack IV because he's going to get that attack back a lot of the time when he's attacking foes. Um, but let's say you, you get a plus attack copy of him, then you're a lot less likely to be activating the plus five to all stats, but you are getting plus six attack compared to a minus attack copy. So, uh, you know, that is a difference and you can use, depending on how you use a slot skill and a sacred seal, you know, you could potentially boost up his attack with those skills. And it's fairly hard to decrease a unit's attack in a good way. So, I mean, 
whether it's fortunate or not, it's it's uh, it's certainly synergistic for him that he comes with a brand new fortress A slot skill for Res 3, which is a new 300 SP skill, which is going to only take away two attack in favor of giving him plus six to defense and resistance. So, you know, that's going to help make him a lot more tanky for both defense and resistance. Uh, and not only that, it's going to help him activate his weapons effect a lot more often as well. So I think ultimately it's a pretty good A slot skill for him. But, you know, there's so few other ways to do anything to help have your, your foe have higher attack than you. And I was thinking about this playing around with Cliff is, you know, you don't want to give him attack smoke, I think. And you don't want to give his poise really well or chill attack. You don't want to be lowering the enemy's attack that he's facing um, even though it might help his survivability in, in some cases, in other cases, that's going to prevent his, his weapons boost from coming into play. So although I think, you know, I like that his weapon is unique. I like that it capitalizes off of something else in the game. I like that it potentially makes other IVs than just the standard plus attack or plus speed minus resistance or minus HP IVs useful. I, I like that fact about his weapon, but I, I ultimately, I don't like that it requires him to have low attack to it, to me the the boost that he gets just kind of bring him back up to being an average unit and not really anything that much more than that. So and there's not there just aren't a ton of ways to strategize around making sure that your unit has lower attack than the enemy aside from giving him a fortress uh, and you know fortress defense or fortress resistance the the non 300 sp skill as a sacred seal reduce attack by 3 and only give i think 5 defense or 5 resistance so they're just a lot less useful than cliff's new a slot skill so let's get into his other skills he comes with growing light and this is a pretty terrible special for him. I have no idea why this is the special that he gets, but any AoE special relies on a unit having high attack. And, you know, Cliff comes with 30 base attack. His tome is going to give him plus 14, up to 44 attack. And then if you're using his new Fortress Defense Res 3 skill, it's going to subtract 2 and bring him to 42 attack. So his attack is pretty pathetic. Uh, especially compared to some of the stronger new units that we have come out in the game that start off with 40 at base attack and then have a PRF weapon too on top of that. So, you know, ultimately his attack is terrible and growing lights are really bad special. All AOE specials are really bad for cliffs. So definitely switch his special to something like Iceberg um, or Bonfire, depending on what your IVs you get are. Uh, whichever defensive stat is higher is probably going to be the better stat to base his special off of. So I, I mentioned that his A slot skill is Fortress Defense Res 3. This is a new 300 SP skill. We only have a couple of these 300 SP A slot skills in the game, but it seems like we're going to be getting more and more of them as time goes on. So my thoughts about Fortress Defense Res 3 is that it is light years ahead of the other Fortress skills. There's no question about that. Uh, not only in terms of SP, but also the fact that it gives more defense than just Fortress Defense does. It gives more resistance than just Fortress Resistant does, but it actually ends up giving both of them. Uh, and so that's pretty nice. And it takes away less attacks. So there's a lot of reasons that this is a benefit and an upgrade from either of the other Fortress skills already in the game. Uh, you know, as far, you know, this is a level four skill, it's going to help units score higher in the arena. 
But as far as level four skills go, I would take Distant Counter or Death Blow 4 if I had all three skills available. I would take either of those skills over this skill just about any day on just about any unit. I think, you know, this skill is best on Cliff. So this works out well that he comes with this skill. But as far as giving this skill to other units, I think it's a lot more useful to be able to counter attack ranged units. And it's a lot more useful in, in the player phase to be able to hit eight points higher. So uh, that to me is a lot more useful than just helping a unit's survivability. There may be some units where it might be more useful to sacrifice a little bit of defense or sacrifice a, a little bit of attack in favor of defense and resistance. And units that come to mind for me are the two versions of Myrrh that we have in the game, Halloween Myrrh and uh, Green uh, flying Dragon Mer, since both of them want to have high defense to activate their weapon. I think those are two units that can do well with this skill as an A-slot skill, but even so, I think both of them prefer over this skill or Death Blow 4, depending on the build that you're trying to go with. So uh, ultimately, I don't think this is a very good skill to fodder to other units. I wouldn't fodder it to other units, um, but I, I do think it's kind of cool that you know, intelligent systems took a skill, two skills that are pretty useless, in my opinion, in fortress defense and fortress resistance. They made it a lot better. So, and, and it's a little bit more creative than just upping a skill one level and, you know, turning Death Blow 3 into Death Blow 4 was not creative at all. This was a little bit more so. And it'll be interesting to see if intelligent systems has some other ideas of other skills that they can improve upon uh, by combining two other skills like they did with this. So, uh, so the the B-slot skill that Cliff comes with is Chill Speed, and Cliff is the third unit in the game to be coming with, to come out with this skill. Uh, this skill is also available on Ulysian Travelers of Livia, and Fallen Celica was the original unit to come with the very first Chill skill in the game. So Chill Speed also works pretty well with his weapon. It's pretty synergistic with his kit. It's going to help him secure a lot of doubles. Uh, it's much, much better than if he came with Chill Attack, and that would end up hurting his weapon's effect. Uh, so ultimately, I think his his kit is fairly good, uh, You know, aside from go, uh, Growing Light, which is pretty terrible for him. And his C-slot skill actually is pretty bad, too, in Fortri uh, Fortify Resistance 3. And I find it kind of incredible that we're still getting skills like this that are release skills that, you know, were in the game at, at its initial release. And, you know, nobody's really using these skills much anymore, so I'm not really sure why units come with this. These are really budget skills uh, when you don't have anything better to put on a unit. And I don't see people using fortify or hone skills much anymore aside from emblem buffs even those can be kind of rare though so let's take a look at some different builds for cliff so you know I, I think the budget build for him is basically keeping his base set uh replacing growing light with either iceberg or bond and just thinking about it a possible different c slot skill that it's it may or may not benefit cliff to might make him a better teammate so there's different options these are I would say the more budget-friendly options are just like a, a drive skill, drive defense, uh, drive speed. Those might be some better skills to, to give him as a C-slot skill if you want him to be supportive for other units. Um, you know, I'd say more expensive skills to consider for him as far as an A-slot skill goes includes close counter. 
unfortunately, he has to choose between close counter and fortress defense resistance. It would be really nice if you could have both of these skills at the same time to, you know, use close counter to benefit from all of the extra defense and resistance that he's gaining to make him really strong against dragons and melee units. But close counter is still a pretty good skill on him. Taking a neutral IV cliff, uh, you know, he's going to have 28 defense and resistance. Um, you know, not factoring in the, the fort, fortress skill that he comes with. Since you're choosing close counter over that, he won't get that. But it's it makes him pretty strong in, in terms of his defenses, both being 28. And that's something that not too many mages can do. And having that nice spread, a, a, a completely even spread, or maybe close if, you, if your defense or resistance are a bane or a boon, uh, having them close by too with uh, adaptive damage against him. So... Close counter is definitely a skill to consider on him. Uh, again, Bonfire and, and Iceberg, I think, are the two best uh, specials to be considering on him unless you're planning on using him in the arena. Uh, chill Speed, I think, is a good enough skill for him that I, I don't think there's something better that I would place in his B-slot skill. I think Chill Skill, uh, and it works out pretty well for him. I'd say Quick Repost is the only other thing to consider potentially if you pulled a minus speed copy of him. But other than that, I think uh, I, I think there's no reason not to keep Chill Speed, especially since uh, you know it's five star exclusive and only on a couple other units in the game. So, and then as far as C slot skills go, there's definitely better C slot skills than Fortify Resistance. And as far as more expensive C slot skills to consider on him, I, I think there's a couple. Uh, one of the speed wave skills I think could work out pretty well. You definitely want to avoid uh, attack wave though to, you know, avoid, uh, you don't want to boost up his attack too much and take away that weapon effect, I guess. Uh, two other skills to consider include resistance smoke and speed smoke. Uh, you know, being a unit that I think thrives the most probably in the enemy phase, then especially if you give him close counter and you give him a smoke C slot skill, then after he, he, uh, gets into combat and, and hopefully survives that attack against the first unit that goes up against him. If there are more units that he's going to be facing, then having them, you know, have a, a resistance smoke debuff uh, or a debuff to their speed from speed smoke, either of those debuffs are going to help him out against those units down the road. So um, speed smoke won't stack on chill speed. So if it isn't, if chill speed is impacting a particular units, then speed smoke won't go on top of that. So speed smoke might not be the best skill to overlap with chill speed, but resistance smoke will help him out quite a bit. But again, uh, you know, be careful about giving him a skill that will debuff an enemy's attack like attack ploy or attack smoke it, it can be tempting to want to give those types of skills but remember if you're using his default tome then that's going to keep his tome skill from activating and that's kind of the frustrating thing about cliff is that you can't necessarily give him all the best skills and still get the most out of him so uh, as far as sacred seals go if you're going to give him close counter or even if you're not if you want him just to be good against melee units then close defense is a really strong seal to give him uh, and there's a lot of options for a uh, an enemy phase unit in terms of seals. Distant defense can be really strong on him as well. Overall, my unit rating of Cliff is going to be a 3.5 out of 5. I am just not really high on a unit that uh, that has to have a really specific attack to be able to get a buff, especially a low attack as opposed to something that was higher. 
and that's a, a, a weapon that's really hard to strategize around to make the most out of him and that also keeps him from being able to equip some skills that he might benefit from especially c slot skills or you know like chill attack or some skills like that that might be pretty good on him he's unfortunately unable to use and if we had uh, close counter as a sacred seal, I think he'd also be a stronger unit. But because we can't stack up fortress defense and resistance with close counter, I think that's pretty difficult for him as well. So ultimately, I, I think, you know, he's lacking a couple of things that he needs to be a better unit. For me, I, I don't really like a defensive mage anyway. I don't really like a unit like female Morgan or, or now Cliff. And it's not really a niche that I like to use that much unless they're like an armored unit. And then I think, you know, then they have the BST to be able to get the boost to all of the stats to make them better. And plus they have access to those fighter skills in the game. So for me, I think Cliff is a pretty underwhelming unit. Uh, we do seem to get underwhelming units pretty frequently or like one per banner maybe. And I'd say if we were ever going to get a unit dropping from this banner, I would think it would be Cliff. But uh, I don't think we're getting any units dropping from this banner. I, I think the units that score highly in Choose Your Legends just don't seem to drop. And that's, you know, that's what happened last year. And I don't expect to see any of these units drop. So uh, taking a look at where Cliff was placed on the Gamepedia tier list, Cliff was placed in the A plus tier. Uh, he was placed alongside other blue mages like Spring Catria, uh, Bride Sheeta, uh, Summer Corin, Lind, Legendary Lucina, and I have to say, in Reinhardt too, and I have to say, I think a lot of these blue mages are better than Cliff, in my opinion. Um, and I got to make a case for Legendary Lucina just for a second here. And I think Legendary Lucina is a really underrated, like criminally underrated by these tier lists. Uh, I, I know that people don't like colored archers, and, and that tends to be thought of negatively, and I even have that that same thought and feeling too. But I think future vision is either discounted or... Uh, not counted for as strong as it really is. So I, I just wanted to point that out because Cliff and Legendary Lucina share uh, the same uh, tier rating and they fall in the same color too. So for anybody saying I'm comparing across like colors or types of units that I should be, I'm not. <laughs> so there. Um, and then taking a look at Cliff in the Game Press tier list. So he's placed in tier four in this tier tier list. Uh, he's placed with, again, with Summer Corin, with Larishal, uh, Lute, Female Morgan, and Delphia. And in this case, so again, I still feel like some of these, these blue mages I would personally rate o over Cliff. If I were choosing between these units and Cliff, I would choose most of those units over him. But, um, you know, it, it's just hard to activate his weapons effect and still have him be a decent, like have a, a powerful enough attack beforehand that he's going to make a dent in any units. So those are my thoughts on Cliff. I'm underwhelmed by him and uh, not nearly as excited as, as I would have hoped to be in a unit to come out with a unit uh, with a weapon that's so unique. So. So let's go over to our third and final unit on this banner, and that is Owain. With neutral IVs at level 40, Owain comes with 41 HP, 32 attack, 37 speed, 31 defense, and 22 resistance, with no super boons and no super banes. So, you know, his stat spread, a lot of people compare this to Ira's stat spread, and yeah, it's very similar to Ira. Uh, in terms of the stat spread, and everybody knows how Ira's been a really strong unit in the game for a long time now. 
So that's definitely a favorable comparison to start off for Owain. And of course, he's another red, uh, you know, sword infantry unit. So certainly is fitting of that comparison. Too bad that we don't get, uh, you know, a, a unit of a different weapon class with this type of stat spread every once in a while. It's too bad that we get so many sword units with this type of a, a stat spread or Owain might stand out even more so. Um, but he does come with Mistletane and uh, this is... Uh, the sword mistletane but not the demon sword mistletane that Ares came with uh, so I'm glad that not too long ago when I was talking about Ophelia with her coming with a tome mistletane that I did a little back a little bit of background research on the lore about all these different versions of mistletane but um, basically Owain when he found his sword uh, he was trying to name it after he was he was looking for the demon sword mistletane and he named the sword that he found mistletane even though it wasn't uh, the same sword that Ares had, so and, and that Dagon had. So uh, that is a really brief version of that story, and there's definitely more to it. Uh, but that is a simplified version of of uh, of where that why we have so many weapons in the game called Mistletane, and why there are different spellings of it too. As kind of a joke, there I guess is the, the different spelling is a joke. So as far as Mistletane's effect, so it accelerates the special trigger or the cooldown count minus one. So we know that's a pretty strong effect. As if that weren't enough, it also grants a special cooldown charge of plus one every time the foe attacks him in combat. So uh, this is pretty nice that, uh, you know, anytime a foe is going to attack him, his special cooldown charge is going to go down by two. So that works out pretty well for him. It works in both phases. Uh, it's just any time that the enemy attacks him. It's not any time that he attacks. Uh, it's kind of like having like heavy blade or flashing blade on him, except with no uh, stat comparisons. It's just any time he is hit by a foe. So instantly, what comes to mind for me seeing an effect like that is that you want him getting hit by foes. So you want him to be an enemy phase unit because if he can sustain getting attacked first and, and uh, withstand that and survive it, then his special is a lot more likely to be ready afterwards as opposed to if he's initiating combat where his special probably won't necessarily be ready unless he's already uh, been through a couple of combats already. So... Uh, so that's something to consider when thinking about his weapon there is that he's definitely a stronger enemy phase unit. And we have to consider his weapon in the context of his special, which is a brand new special in the game called Blue Flame. And Blue Fa Flame boosts damage by 10, uh, but if he's next to an ally, it increases damage by 25 with a cooldown of 3. But with his weapon, uh, when he's using Blue Flame, it's going to reduce the cooldown count to two. So that's pretty nice. Uh, this is interesting because this is an inheritable special. It's a 500 SP special. And it is our first new inheritable damage special in the game, I think, since the release of the game. I don't think we've had any brand new uh, inheritable specials in the game that cause damage as opposed to like a healer special, which we've gotten a couple of new ones of those. So that's kind of interesting that... Um, that we're getting this and that it's inheritable i think a lot of people weren't really expecting that and it gives people another option you know if you have an owain and and you want to give another unit blue flame it gives people another option aside from just ether and gale force so this is going to be something that people have to consider on different units and whether this might be a worthwhile special so Another thing to think about here is that this is the first inheritable 500 SP special in the game that comes with lower than a 5 cooldown count. So unlike Gale Force and Aether that both have a 5 cooldown count, this only has a 3 cooldown count 
and other units might have weapons that also will be able to decrease the uh, the cooldown count down to two. So um, something to think about here with Blue Flame. And this is just a speculation and a prediction for me here, but when when you learn this special on Owain or another unit, you have to first learn Bonfire. That is the the special in the sequence of specials that you need in Blue Flame. So I've heard some people talk about Blue Flame like it is Bonfire Plus. Uh, it's not called that, but it's kind of like it is that. So uh, I would not be surprised at all if this is the first of several new inheritable 500 SP specials. And if this is going to be something that we see um you know like we're seeing level four skills being released in the game and like we're seeing uh plus uh assist skills like rally plus skills being released in the game with that are worth more sp i wouldn't be surprised at all to get more of these specials that are worth 500 sp that are inheritable to other units so if we get uh you know like green ice special and that's going to be iceberg three Oh, that's a 500 SP special. And who knows how all these specials will necessarily work or what they'll be called or whatever it is. But um, my point is that I, I would, before you go off like giving this skill to other units, just be ready that this might just be one special out of multiple that we're going to be getting down the road that might be inheritable 500 SP specials. So just something to consider here. Uh, it's possible that this might be the only one of these and this might just be a one-off thing. So we'll have to see. Now, I think this could have been a really, really strong special if this special did what's called true damage. Or, you know, a lot of people are talking about this on Reddit. But what this means is that the 10 damage that Blue Flame boosts your attack by, it's not that it's causing 10 damage no matter what the enemy's defense is, or 25 damage if you have an ally adjacent to you when the special triggers, no matter what. But what it does is it boosts a unit's attack by 10 or by 25, and then that is then impacted by the unit's defense and the weapon triangle. Uh, I guess the weapon triangle first, whether it's an advantage or disadvantage, and then by the enemy's defense. So, um, you know, this would have been a much stronger special if, as opposed to going through the weapon triangle and the enemy's defense. So if an enemy has high enough defense, then this, this special isn't going to do anything at all, uh, or it might not do very much. But um, anyway, so that's a little bit too bad about that. But, you know, if it did do true damage, then I think it might be really too strong and every single unit in the game might want this special. So maybe it's uh, it's best for the for the balance of the game. So so, you know, just thinking about true damage, true damage is done by a skill like Wrath, which isn't a special, but a B slot skill. True damage, on the other hand, is going to activate after the weapon triangle is accounted for and the unit's defense is subtracted from their attack stat of the foe. Uh, and so it's going to do that 10 damage no matter what. When Wrath triggers, it does 10 damage no matter what the defense of the unit that you're facing. Whereas, you know, Blue Flame is just going to add its, its uh, 10 or 25 attack to your unit's attack and then go through the unit's defense, which, uh, again, is a weaker, a much weaker effect. So it is not a guaranteed 10 or 25 additional attack on top of the damage that you get from, from your attack. So that is definitely something to consider there. So in addition to that, the skills that Owain comes with include uh, an A-slot skill of attack, defense, bond 3, 
And this works out really well as a skill for him, not only because his attack and his defense are pretty strong, but also because this works well with a special, which wants him to be next to a unit during combat to get that extra 15 uh, attack added on when his special triggers uh, by having a unit adjacent to him. So uh, the attack defense bond three effect is pretty good given his special. Uh, and then there's wrath three is his B slot skill. So, you know, as I mentioned, Wrath is going to add 10 true damage to uh, when his special triggers. It, it's going to trigger that anytime he has under 75% of his HP in combat. And also, you know, at the beginning of a turn when he has less than 75, his special is going to get a special cooldown charge acceleration of minus one. So, you know, he can get down to activating blue fame very quickly with all these special cooldown charge effects however i would say that the cooldown bonus of wrath actually doesn't end up helping that much uh, so with a skill like blue flame anyway with a cooldown count of two you know i'd say owain tends to want to be an enemy phase unit because of his strong defense uh, because mainly because of his weapons effect of getting plus one cooldown charge per foe's attack so that's really important to consider because, you know, let's take his his Blue Flame special, assuming you stick with that. The cooldown count of that on him is two, given his weapon. When he's attacked by an enemy, then his cooldown goes down to zero immediately. And then his special is ready for him the first time that he hits a foe. If we take that same series of events, but we assume that Wrath activated beforehand, then his cooldown charge would start at one. The enemy would attack him. His cooldown would still go down to zero. So he, then in that case, he doesn't get any benefit from his weapons effect. So Wrath doesn't add anything in the enemy phase uh, in terms of triggering off his special any faster in the player phase as well. So let's assume he's initiating combat and Wrath has reduced his special cooldown to one. Then he's still not going to activate his special, even if Wrath triggers, you know, if his, his uh, special cooldown starts at two and brings it down to one with Wrath. He's not going to be able to activate his special on his first hit, though let's say he's attacking a ranged unit that he can double, then he will trigger his uh, he will trigger his special on his second hit, and, and he wouldn't have done that if he didn't have Wrath, only against a unit that counterattack him uh, if he's able to double. So I know that's kind of a mouthful there, but basically what I'm trying to say isn't do all that much for him in either phase, at least not with Blue Flame as a special. Maybe with a higher cooldown special, it might help him more, but it doesn't end up doing that much with Blue Flame. The more important effect for him for Wrath is the plus 10 damage, work, which works out pretty nicely for him. Um, or you can just equip a different special and then you'll get a bigger boost from having Wrath as his B-slot skill, especially since Wrath is still a pretty good skill. Um, it's just not necessarily the best with the other aspects of his kit. And then looking at his C-slot skill, he comes with Spur Speed Defense 2. Uh, not quite as bad as what I was saying before with Fortify Res, like in terms of skills coming out at this point in the game. But still, another skill that's like really not anything special at this point. It's been out for over a year in the game. It's also on Oscar, who's a unit that's available at three stars now. And that's just really not something that's all that special anymore. So, um, you know, before I didn't mention, but, you know, optimal IVs for Owain, I think he can be pretty flexible in terms of IVs that are best for him. I think plus speed is probably going to be the best choice for Owain in most circumstances, just like how I run and uh, Mia and Carla, those really fast units, like to maximize their speed as much as possible. Um, 
But I don't know. Attack really isn't a bad boon either. I think defense can actually work out pretty well. Um, I'd say, you know, his, his bane is probably, his best bane is probably resistance, then followed by HP in terms of the best options for banes. But I think attack, speed, speed, then attack, then defense, all three of those are pretty strong options uh, for boons. Even a neutral copy of him isn't bad at all. I think there's a lot of options for what might work pretty well as a boon. Uh, and, and he'll be just fine as a unit because he's so strong. In terms of builds for Owain, I, I think there's a couple different options. I, I think he's a pretty flexible unit in terms of how he can be built. So uh, I have trouble deciding myself on the exact build that I want to give my Owain. Um, but, you know, I, I think you want to stick with Mistletane as his weapon. I don't think that's a big surprise for people. But I do know that some people are putting on a Wodao as a weapon. Uh, to try to you know combo that with wrath and give a lot of extra damage with blue flame as well when his special triggers so an interesting idea but i think his weapon is strong enough to to keep it in in almost all cases unless you're just really bored of uh, of using the same old types of prf weapons that come on units but I, I think this is a pretty interesting weapon keep it on him um but in terms of his special, I, I know that people are kind of mixed on whether to keep Blue Flame or to give him another special like Ether or maybe even Ignis. I don't know. I, I, I know mo most people probably won't do that, but Ether or Blue Flame are probably the specials to consider on him. Uh, in terms of his A slot skill, I think Attack Defense Bond is pretty good for him, as I mentioned, because of its synergy with Blue Flame if you end up keeping Blue Flame. Um, but I think you have other options too. I think Distant Counters is the main option to consider. If you have that as an option, uh, he wouldn't be a bad unit to get that skill. But personally, I, I think I prefer probably keeping Attack Defense Bond, especially if you're keeping Blue Flame as a special. I think that's a good way to go. Uh, so his B-slot skill, Wrath is fine to keep on him, but I told you that it's not necessarily the most efficient choice of a B-slot skill uh, because of the cooldown effects it might for other units. So personally, I, I think that that's a little bit wasted on him. Uh, another B-slot skill that I would consider is Chill Defense. I think that's not a bad option at all for him. Um, and then as far as C-slot skills, I think probably a wave skill is, is the way to go, whether it be uh, attack wave or speed wave. Those are the two wave skills that I would consider the most. Uh, attack wave ends up doing better for him matchup wise, but speed wave can help him as well. And uh, as an enemy phase unit, you if you've listened to this podcast before, you know how I feel about increasing speed on a unit uh, that you're using in the enemy phase primarily or, or initiating attacks in the enemy phase against you. Uh, I don't like it as much. I prefer giving a unit more attack than speed in that case. Um, but I think, you know, giving him a higher speed can help him out in the player phase quite a bit and it will help him avoid some doubles. So, uh, so I did want to point out, uh, that the game press page for Owain was written by friend of the podcast, Red Ferrari. And I wanted to point out just an interesting build that he had as his recommended build for Owain, because, uh, he did point out in his recommended build that you're basically able to make Owain an armor unit. Uh, by giving him a certain combination of skills. Uh, and by that, I mean you're able to turn him into a, a unit that can basically equip Special Fighter through the use of a particular set of skills. Uh, you know, Special Fighter being a skill that allows a unit to get uh, faster special cooldown and reduce the cooldown of foes. And with a skill like Special Fighter, you on an armor unit, you would want to be able to double in both phases. So... 
Uh, I think it was clever that Red Ferrari came up with a build that allowed Owain to do all of these things. So what he did was he, you know, keeping Mistletane as the weapon allows him to increase his cooldown charge uh, when the enemy attacks him. And giving him Flashing Blade as a Sacred Seal allows him to increase his special cooldown when he attacks as well. So his special cooldown is going to be increased, hack him. As long as he is faster than foes, he'll be charging his special when he attacks foes, so that's good. And then for the B-slot skill to initiate the other aspect of Special Fighter, then he gives Owain Guard 3. So, you know, that is the other aspect of Special Fighter is preventing the enemy from charging their special on you. So that is kind of cool that he came up with a way to, you know, be able to allow him to charge his special and prevent enemies from charging their special. Of course, the last aspect that really makes this strong is making sure that he can double in both phases. Uh, Owain already being a pretty strong unit uh, in terms of his speed is going to want to be plus speed with this type of a build in most cases. And he's probably also going to want either even speed wave or odd speed wave as his C-slot skill, uh, as Red Ferrari does recommend for this build, in order to make sure that he is getting those doubles in both phases. Otherwise, he's just going to be hitting once, and his special isn't going to be triggering nearly as much as a result. So uh, I thought that was a pretty clever build. And then for the A-slot skill there, he gave him Distant Counter. So... Very interesting build by Red Ferrari. I thought that was clever. I definitely would not have thought of that myself, but I like that clever idea. Uh, ultimately, you know, I, I did test out some of these builds in the Mass Duel Simulator, and I did find that this wasn't necessarily the build that did the best for him in the Mass Duel Simulator. I think that, you know, Guard might be a difficult skill to simulate exactly in the Mass Duel Simulator, and um, with this build, he also gave him Ether instead of Blue Flame, so that it's going to be Ether on a four cooldown count special, uh, which is nice, but it also means that in some cases, in the Mass Duel Simulator, he's not proccing Aether on that one combat. Um, and Aether is usually not even the most powerful special, but it is a high cooldown count special that's going to benefit from having uh, accelerated special cooldowns in both player and enemy phase or when you're attacking and when the enemy is attacking. So anyway, I think it's a very clever build. I'm not sure, I'm not 100% convinced that it's worth all of that investment and like if that's necessarily the best build for him. Um, I, you know, right now on my copy of Elaine that I pulled, I'm keeping his default kit, uh, and I, I'm just weighing whether to give him, uh, which, whether to give him a wave C slot skill. I think attack wave is probably the best way to go, but, uh, whether I want to invest heavily in him or not is a decision that I'm still making for my copy of Elaine. And, um, you know, anyway, I just wanted to share that my thoughts on Owain and his build with you. But personally, I think the, the bond skills, as far as an A slot skill is a pretty strong choice. And I like that. And I'm not sure that it's, if he's like the best unit to get distant counter over attack defense bond, which I think is pretty close in viability to distant counter, if not better than it. So, so looking at the tier list in terms of their placements of Owain, so, Starting with Game Press this time, they place Owain in Tier 2. So he is in the same tier as units like Ira and Carla, some of the best infantry units in the game. Uh, Brave Celica and Alm, of course. Uh, yeah, so those are some really strong units that he's in the same tier with. And if we take a look at Gamepedia, 
So they place Doane further down on the list. He is in the A-plus tier on Gamepedia, so they think significantly less of him than GamePress does. And, you know, he's further down than, you know, he's two tiers further down than Ira and Carla and Legendary Marth. Uh, he's in the same tier as units like Mia and Leaf. Uh, he's still in the same tier as Ulm in this tier list as well, but different tier. Um, and so those are some of the same units. Those are some of the units in the same tier as he's in. So you can see that there's a difference of opinion between GamePress and Gamepedia in terms of how strong Owain is as a unit. Uh, GamePress think that Ira is a really strong comparison for Owain. And so far, I'm not totally sold on that. I, I think that Ira with her special with Regnal Astra is still stronger than a special like Blue Flame. Uh, you know, I probably need to do a little bit more testing to have a really fully informed opinion, but in the Mastel Simulator, Carla, or I'm sorry, Ira did quite a bit better, and I think a lot of that is due to her special in terms, you know, her stat spread is almost the same. She also gets, you know, the plus three speed from whether it be Slaying Edge plus or Ira's Sword, either of those weapons come with additional speed, um, and she also gets the you know, special charging, which is faster, whether it be on a slaying edge or whether it be on her Iris uh, blade or Iris sword. Either way, she gets faster specials as well, even though it's in a different way than Owain gets special specials. So that extra speed, I think, does end up helping her a bit uh, that she passively gets from one of her weapons that Owain doesn't get. And uh, her special, I think, is a little bit better as well. So personally, I rate Ira as a better unit than Owain. I don't think they're quite on the same tier even though they're close and i th i would say that my rating of owain is probably either a 4.25 or a 4.5 uh, i know i'm lower down than some people are on owain but uh you know it's just hard for me to justify pulling for a unit uh and to advise other people to really strongly pull for a unit that's that to me seems pretty similar to units like Ira and Carla that are really good units, but I think he's inferior to them. And, you know, I do think we have a lot of other units in the red sword infantry class that are just as good, if not better, and that he doesn't really have his own niche or his own role that he fulfills that seems different. And I, I don't think he's the best unit at his niche in the game right now. So if you really like him as a unit, I, and I know a lot of people really do, uh, and I can understand that based on seeing some of his dialogue, like including the uh, the quote that he has in the game that lasts 20 seconds, which is absolutely ridiculous. Um, but, uh, you know, I can understand if you really like him. Absolutely. Go pull for him. Uh, I, you know, I think he's the best unit on this banner for sure. Um, but he doesn't have something a little bit more unique like Alm and Brave Celica do where they can double. Uh, and with a like a essentially have a brave weapon with 16 might uh, he doesn't have something quite like that and you know his special being inheritable that that doesn't become something unique for him really the only thing that's unique for him is his weapon and it's not like that's entirely unique and his stat spread certainly isn't unique either so personally i i think he's a good unit i'm not overwhelmed with him and i wouldn't say like he's somebody that you should really go out and pull but as far as ranking the units on this banner, I do think he's number one, the the best unit on this banner. Uh, he does come with some pretty good fodder as well. If you're looking for Wrath, I think that's a good skill in a lot of different units in the game. Um, 
you know, I, I think that's a good skill to fodder to other units. Attack, defense, bond is on two other units in the game, and Wrath is too, but uh, attack, defense, bond is available on Fjorm. Uh, it's available on Summer Young Tiki, now that you'd probably want to sacrifice a Summer Young Tiki for that skill. Uh, and it's also available in terms of weapon refinements for the other two versions of Tiki uh, as their special effect refinement. So attack, defense, bond is a good skill, but not a great skill. Um, Wrath is really good, but also available on, uh, let's see, Carla and Nephany. I was trying to remember if it was Ira or Carla because they're both so good with Wrath, but it is Carla that comes with Wrath and Ira who wants to inherit it from, from Nephany or Carla or now Noane. And then the, the sea slots kill for Owain stinks. But so anyway, he has some good fodder. Maybe you want to test out Blue Flame on some other units. Uh, I'll need to do some, some of my own thinking about who Blue Flame might be good on. I'll have to think about that a little bit more if it's good on anybody. But at the moment, I don't think it's really like justified to go out pulling specifically for Blue Flame fodder. I don't think it's like uh, far and away one of the best specials in the game or anything like that. But it is one of the few... 500 sp specials and there might be ways to take advantage of it being a three cooldown special as opposed to a five cooldown special worth 500 sp on that note isn't it kind of weird that the higher cooldown specials are worth the most sp you know so always kinds of kind of uh baffles me that that's the case but uh yeah that is the case so anyway, so he is the number one unit to pull for. I would say Loki is the number two unit to pull for. Uh, you know, again, she's the probably the best infantry healer in the game right now. Uh, comes with colorless dual infantry, which could be very valuable if that is some prove your arena scoring, whether it be on a colorless unit or if you want a colorless unit to support your bonus units. I think it's a really strong dual skill to pull for. And one that, you know, it wasn't 100% clear if we were going to get this skill in the game at all. So interesting that we did. Uh, so anyway, and, and also Odd Attack Wave is a really strong skill on her too. Um, her special in terms of the new Balm Plus skill that she comes with, not great. It's good, but I don't think it's necessarily a skill that you'd want to sacrifice a copy of Loki for to anybody else. But that's your call. If you have good uses for it, then definitely go for it since she's the only unit to come with that skill. And then finally, Cliff is definitely my lowest unit on this banner. Um, you know, his A slot skill and being a 300 SP skill is probably the worst 300 SP skill in my opinion. Uh, I really don't like his Tome's effect and I think it's just too hard to strategize around and too hard to really make the most of it, but also try to build him in a way that makes him strong. So yeah, so overall, those are my thoughts and feelings about this banner. I don't think that any of these units are really must-pulls. I'm not really excited by any of the units on this banner. Um, you know, Loki is probably the most unique of, of the three units. Owain is, a strong, is the strongest, kind of falls into a niche that a lot of other units have, and Cliff is a unique unit but I don't think he's particularly good. So uh, I don't think, you know, unless we start getting some other skills that that help make sure that his attack is just a little bit lower, and actually not even just a little bit, but at least five lower than his foes, uh, then it's just too hard to strategize around his, his Tome's effect. And uh, like a lot of units, I think Game Press and maybe Gamepedia too give build options giving him blar blade and that means that we're just kind of going back to how the game used to be where that's just the weapon you know you put blade tomes on all of your uh, 
your mages to make them strong. And I, I don't want to see the game go back in that direction where we have to give generic weapons to, to units that come with PRF weapons. I think that's much less fun personally in terms of uh, in getting enjoyment out of the game. I think that's less enjoy, enjoyable in my opinion. So, so yeah, so that's the, the um, summoning importance, not too high on this banner. I think this is an easy one uh, to skip out on. Uh, or to wait for to see what else is coming unless you really like some of the units and look obviously these these units scored really highly in choose your legend so if you do really like these units and you've probably already pulled on this banner and you're not waiting for for my advice anyway but uh, if for some reason you are listening to this wondering whether to pull or not i'd say my opinion is to skip on this banner uh and you know we'll see these units come around again down the road if if you do end up wanting them down the road but uh there's nothing particularly strong on this banner including stats and skills and so yeah those are those are my thoughts on this banner so anyway thank you for your patience in waiting for this episode to be uploaded while uh, Phil and I figured out our schedules and, and were able to squeeze this in for you. I hope this was still valuable for you. And the, if you're still listening at this point, then I hope that something that I said was able to help you out and be informative to you. So thank you so much for listening to this episode. Uh, Phil and I really do appreciate your loyalty uh, and listening to these episodes. We hope you get some enjoyment out of it. And if you have any thoughts or any feedback, any ideas that you'd like to see us tackle in this show, then please reach out to us at our subreddit at r slash phaeology, uh, or you can send Phil an email at phaeology at gmail.com. You can also send me an email at grepsteinfeh at gmail.com. We would be happy to hear from you. Uh, you know, there is a bit of a lull in content right now. I, I think we're going to be getting a channel really soon. So there should be more to talk about at some point down the road. But right now things are pretty slow. So if you guys have questions for us, if there's something that you've been wondering about, if there's something that you feel strongly about that we're doing that we shouldn't be doing or that we're not doing that we should be doing, or if you, if you just want our advice on something in the game, we would be happy to have you reach out to us and we'd love to be in contact with you. So feel free to reach out to us and we'd love to hear from you. So again, thanks so much for listening and schedule another appointment with your phaeologist real soon.